All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we have a third person today. Oh, oh shoot, that's me. Yeah, hi, I'm Brian. <laughs> Screwhead Brian, once again, joining us. Am uh, you I a, remember, remember? Am I a screwhead? Do I get to be an uh, honorary yes. screwhead? Uh, uh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, we're, we're all screwheads here, most definitely. Now, you all may remember Brian from the uh, guest appearance in our previous episode, which was Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. He was also the extra that heroically tried to climb the fence before perishing in the flames below. Uh, and he was also my brother as well, so, uh, you know, nepotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you can say that I'm a. I don't think you can say that I'm an extra in this movie. No, I don't think so either. Definitely, but you did do some of the gurgling noises, correct? Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like people just normally recorded you gurgle, you mm-hmm. know, like during your times at the night, and then it was just like that. That's perfect. It's hard to say which ones were used for the movie and which ones are just ordinary, ordinary <laughs> recording. Definitely. But yeah, now Brian's going to join us today as well as we talk about the 2021 movie Mad God, which is the Phil Tippett uh, stop motion horror flick that was a passion project of his. Uh, it took 30 years to make, like boyhood. It took it took 30 years to make, and that must mean it's good, right? Because it took 30 years to make. That makes everything good. 30 years. <laughs> it absolutely does. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a pot roast. You got to simmer it. And, you know, if you simmer a pot roast for 30 years, it's going to end up delicious. I mean, I wasn't good until I turned 30. Now, now that I'm 30, I'm, I'm a good person. Before that, I was, I was trash. So. That is true. Yes. Yeah. It, it's a lot better when you turn 30. So, That's Brian, you, you, you're pretty close to that. So, yeah. you'll be good to go. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Now, a wizard uh, does visit you on your 30th birthday in the middle of the night. Um, mm-hmm. Just don't be alarmed. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I heard about that. You have, to, you have to chant an incantation or something or else he'll steal your soul. Oh, really? That's what he does? I, I I don't know. I was just like, okay, wizard, you want me to do whatever? All right, sure. That sounds good. I'm very influenced in that way. Uh, anyway, gents, how are we doing today? Good. Good. Doing good. Yes, I am recording in bed. I have a cat under my legs right now. Yes. Okay, tell us more about that life. cat. <laughs> um, a cat, Maisie, is a black cat, and uh, nice. she might start yelling. Hopefully not. We I took her on a walk. Because uh, she likes to go outside, but she can't be trusted, so we have a harness that we tie to her, and then she goes outside on that. Um, yeah. Now she is just sleeping. It is actually cold in California, which, or at least on the California coast, which is uh, nice because it sounds like everywhere else is on fire. Uh, yeah, no, North Carolina is definitely super hot right now. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend and I just took a walk down, uh, walk down to get some bubble tea, and it was like a 10-minute walk, and we were just sweating the whole goddamn way through. So uh, don't worry, though. We're planning our exits eventually. Uh, yeah, no, we're going along with cats, too. I don't know where my black cat pocket is. She's probably sleeping somewhere. But, uh, yes. um, yeah, she's doing good, too. Good too. Um, you gents playing Stray? You hear about Stray? I've heard good things about Stray. Uh-huh. Yeah, I started that last night about three hours in. It's 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 definitely they have a meow button and there is a rub up against things button and there is a scratch a couch button so it's 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 very authentic thus far. Excellent. I can just picture like you know how in Monsters Inc for um uh, oh god what's her name the kid the kid in Monsters Inc Boo Boo was oh, her name Boo Boo yeah yeah Boo. 
Yeah, no, the, what they did to uh, get the voice acting for her is they took one of the Pixar employees' kid and basically just followed them around and recorded randomly whenever they would shout or scream or make noises, that sort of thing. So I'm assuming they did the same thing for Stray in terms of recording the cat's voice. Yeah, yeah, you can't really train a cat. What's the plot behind that game? Like, is, is, it, like a, is it like a meandering game or is it actually a plot you have to go through? Uh, yes, there is a plot. It is a linear adventure game with several open areas. Um, first, to get things out of the way, the cat cannot die, which is good. I mean, mm-hmm. I, technically, yes, it, there there is a fail state, but basically all that happens is just the whole thing goes red and that's it. Um, but yeah, that's that. But uh, yeah, basically what happens is you are a cat with a group of strays, um, hence the name. And as you're exploring one day, you accidentally slip and fall down a pipe and you wake up in this underground city that is run by robots. And there are these biological kind of larvae-like life forms that um, are following you around. They, they remind me a lot of what's... God, I, I was trying to think this last night too. What, what's the name of that animal that like cannot die? It starts with a T. Tardigrade? Tardigrade, that's it. Yes, thank you. I could never remember that. Yeah, they remind me a lot of tardigrades. Um, but yeah, basically that. So the plot is you are the cat. Your main goal is to find a way back up to the surface to reunite with your pack. Uh, but at the same time, too, you're slowly uncovering the mystery of, you know, why is there this robot city down here? What happened to it? And, you know, all of that stuff. So a little bit sci-fi dystopia. Uh, but yes, you do play as a cat and you get to explore. The main crux of the gameplay is kind of getting from point A to point B, Uncharted style. Um, in terms of using your parkour and stuff like that. Uh, but also, too, there's a lot of exploration elements in terms of you have to find, you know, five of this widget or walk around and do these little side quests to open up an area for this. And, of course, there's stuff like you have to knock paint cans down to open up a new pathway to get to a new side quest and that sort of thing. So lots of fun oh. stuff like that. Cool. But, yeah, it's fun so far. Next time Bob knocks over, like, a fucking dish in the, in the kitchen, all of a sudden he's trying to do a side quest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, uh, yeah, life's been good, honestly. I got back from Tennessee. I was there for work. Yeah, weren't you almost stuck there? Yes. uh, So the Chattanooga Airport, I was there for work for a week. I was doing on-site support for one of our clients. And um, my plane got delayed by the end, like two and a half hours because of weather-related incidents, because the Southeast has just been an absolute clusterfuck of storms um, over the past few weeks. Uh, Just summer showers, that sort of thing. Uh, but the Chattanooga Airport, there were only two flights to my city for that entire day. And, um, yeah, and, and, like, I looked at the board. I arrived at the airport probably about 5 o'clock, and then I actually boarded about 8.30, didn't get back home till about midnight or so. Um, and the airport in my city was just absolutely rough like there were millions of people there i had to uh do the priority uh lift thing in order to be able to actually grab one uh within a timely manner because otherwise i would have had to wait like 45 minutes for a lift mm. but i do remember i looked at the uh, departures board in the chattanooga airport and there was only one more flight to my city it was the very very last flight for the entire day um for the entire airport basically <laughs> so wow. i'm just like fuck if i don't do that one i can't do anything Oh, that's the other thing, too. Chattanooga Airport only has four gates. Like, you know, a lot of airports have, like, multiple terminals and gates. Oh, this yeah. one has four, and that's it. <laughs> so, Jeez. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but I was good. It was all set. I was actually kind of disappointed because uh, my very last day it was storming, and I arrived at the clinic on site, and uh, their internet was out. And it was a rural health clinic, so it was, like, in the middle of nowhere, town of, like, a thousand people. Um, 
And they basically told me like, yeah, they're not going to fix this anytime soon because we're so far out there. And my product that I train on is web-based. So like I couldn't even access my product. There was literally nothing I could do there at that time. So I was kind of hoping they would be like, yeah, you can go back to the hotel and, you know, work on your stuff then. We'll call you if we have any questions because it was a pretty lax, lax business trip. Uh, but no, unfortunately, the internet came back on. So I had to sit and do it and all that good stuff. But it was fine. It was all good. It was a productive week. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, so I, I, as you guys mentioned, it's freaking hot as hell here. It's coast. The new Predator movie got screened at San Diego Comic Con on Friday, I think it was, and it's gotten really good reviews. Oh, really? Yeah, there's so much Comic Con news coming out right now. So yeah, it got, it got like a standing ovation. So like, I'm like, oh great, this sounds awesome. And everyone's saying it's like better. People are saying that it, like it might be the best one after the original. So yeah, that's that's like. The first hopeful thing I've heard. That's not a super high bar to hit. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I mean, it's going to be better than the Predator at the very least. I think, I honestly think that's why everyone clapped. Right? Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so you know a lot of Avengers news going on. It's a lot of stuff in the MCU. Um, did you see the uh, new Ant-Man trailer that came out? Wait, there's a new Ant-Man trailer? Yeah, let me go ahead and post it in the chat real quick. Oh, no, I saw the Wakanda Forever trailer, which uh, had that great No Woman, No Cry song. That was great. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really good. So here, I'm going to post it in the chat for you right now. I feel like this is some joke, and it's going to be like a, a Rickroll. <laughs> no, it's the trailer. So, there we go. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Mac and Me wheelchair saying the Paul Rudd Conan joke right there. Oh, so, nice. uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and post it on there. But, uh, yeah, no, that's that's one of the super popular ones on Reddit. There's no Ant-Man trailer right now. Uh, you son of a bitch. I knew it. I, was like, I would have known about this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. You killed me. Um, anyway, yeah, we're about 10 minutes in right now. Brian, anything going on in your end besides the uh, cat? Um, no, the cat's great. Um, yeah, we, did, we were just down in uh, Oakland where we got to meet your girlfriend, my my boyfriend and I did. Um, Woohoo! Yeah, and um, we're going to France in a month, and then you're going to France later. Yeah, I'm going on Thanksgiving, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. So we're just coasting and working and preparing for that. Living life. Um, yeah, I tiled my kitchen. I live in a tiny house, so I, it's not much. It's just like a, a quarter of a room, but <laughs> I still tiled it. And, um, but you tiled the hell out of it. I did. And then we're going to make a bathroom because we have like a shanty, <laughs> shanty outhouse right now. Oh, and that is it like, is it like, I don't know, like a, like an outdoor, uh, like Boy Scout camp sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. And that literally just a hole in the ground. And the actual bathroom's going to be basically the same as that, but nicer. Because uh, yeah, right now it's just cool. uh, made out of pallets and just, uh, just a structure to be private. <laughs> oh, wow. I live in the middle of nowhere in the woods, so. For context, is it gonna connect to your tiny house? Like, is it, is it gonna be like a like a an annex to your tiny house, or is it gonna be still outside, like still its own? It'll still be its own thing, um, but it will be five feet away. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wait, do you guys get a lot of snow there in the winter? No, probably, probably not. No. No, What's no there? snow at all. No. Oh, okay. All right. So that, that yeah. was not. I was just, from my mind gets me like, what about when it snows? But yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. It gets a little cold sometimes, but not enough to be a regular issue hey so i do have a question that i was kind of thinking of right now so i was hanging out in a group chat in another discord server with a whole bunch of mutual friends and one of them is um a dude who lives in rural iowa and he's just now getting into horror movies and he asked you know hey what's the gayest horror movie out there and i was just thinking to myself and i'm like 
probably Freddy's Revenge that I can think of. <laughs> what about you two? What do you two think? Yeah, Freddy's Revenge is hard to beat. Um, I still, I've told you about this movie before, but Knife Plus Heart is... Ah, uh, yeah. You know, what's actually funny. Um, no, my girlfriend, because you mentioned it to her. Yes. She sent that to me, but she only sent the name of the movie with no context <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> so it was just like, Knife Plus Heart. What the fuck did I do? Did I do something wrong? Oh, my God. Well, you, you like, did oh, tell... You did when you you were talking to both of us about about meeting. You both said you said to both of us to to call each other dumb as a mule and twice as ugly. So you could have assumed that that was revenge. For that that is true. Yes. Uh, what a great Simpsons episode that uh, was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, no knife plus heart is literally a slasher movie set in a gay porn studio. So it's hard to be gayer than yes. that. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> No, it's a, do it. it's a fantastic okay, movie. We will add it to the list. Yeah. Hey, buddy. I'm trying to think what else. In a negative way, sleep away camp, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, that hand just kind of sleep, doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. How transphobic it is. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. that was the kind of answer I came out into. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of three letter words, <laughs> let's go into <laughs> Mad God. <laughs> great. <laughs> what a great segment that was. Yeah. That was so good. Wait, but what, yeah. what was the three-letter word? What was the three-letter word that you transitioned from? Uh, gay oh, into okay. mad right, god. Right. Okay, yeah. okay, fair enough. So uh, today's movie we're going to be talking about is Mad God, the Phil Trippett uh, stop-motion horror movie uh, that it was thirty years in the making. Like I said before, the history behind this movie is Phil Trippett, who is honestly kind of a legendary in the movie scene like he was the main dinosaur supervisor in jurassic park and i love that one meme that's floating around that's just like people died phil you were supposed to supervise those dinosaurs gosh what were you doing (laughs) but he did a lot of the animatronics and stop motion work for that to make it look so realistic um he also worked on the original star wars trilogy he worked on robocop um i believe it was a little bit of indiana jones he did oh yeah and um Howard the Duck. He actually had a place in Howard the Duck. Yes. He made some of the um, the antagonists in Howard the Duck uh, via stop motion. What? So it's just like, okay, great. A crowning achievement. <laughs> yes, definitely. A crowning achievement for everybody. God, what a weird movie that was. Uh, oh, Evolution. He worked on that one, too. You remember Dude, that one? Such a yeah. classic. He also directed his first directorial debut was uh, Starship Troopers 2, which was a Ooh. great movie. I think that as a kid, that was the first time I ever saw a naked person on TV. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> great movie. <Yeah. laughs> but basically, this has kind of been a passion project of his for the past 30 years. Uh, from what I can tell, just from like a sort of bits and articles all around the place, is this was kind of a weekend project for him. He had the idea in his head, kind of came on through. And most of the first third of this movie was created over those 30 years. It was basically one of those things where during a weekend, he would film a few seconds of footage, go on through a few more seconds of footage in between jobs, that sort of thing, and just slowly build it on together. And then he eventually got some of his friends and coworkers and just people who were interested in the project to volunteer and help him out as well. Uh, so we went on through, he went on through that. He completed the very first segments, the first like 30 minutes, the first third, everything up until, well, you know when, um, at the end of the first act, basically. Mm-hmm. And after that, um, it kind of laid dormant for a while. And then eventually some of the people that volunteered kind of brought it up again to him and said, hey, Phil, why don't you go ahead and, you know, create this again and start with this. I know you didn't finish it and I know it was something you really enjoyed working on. So he did, and he released the full movie, uh, which actually premiered on Shudder 
uh, back in 2021, and it was a huge, huge success. Uh, I know it was like one of the biggest watched movies for the long, longest time on Shutter for whatever that week it came on out. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a big deal on that front. Uh, but yeah, that was Mad God. So that's where I heard of it personally. And I was just like, ooh, stop motion horror. That sounds interesting. This is the horror movie of the moment. So let's go ahead and take a look at it. Um, do you two have any like past history with this film whatsoever? Because I know I was the one who suggested it. So For me, not really. No, like, I, I'd, I'd seen it on Shutter. I'd, I'd kind of known a little bit about the history of it. But that's that's about all I got. I, I'd, you, you just said more than I knew. So Yeah, yeah I would just sort of see it on like, my friends added on Letterboxd, and some were like two stars, and other ones would be five stars with pretty much nothing in between. So I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely one thing about this movie that I think is going to be as we start talking about this. Um, this is a very atypical horror movie, not just because it's stat motion, but also there's basically no dialogue whatsoever. Um, and it relies very, very heavily on its visuals throughout the entire way through. Visuals and sound design as well. Um, and it's also the plot itself is fairly basic, but it's also one of those where you can take interpretations and kind of piece it together. So this is definitely not a background watching movie. This is one where you kind of have to just look at all the fucked up stuff that's occurring on the screen in front of this. Mm -hmm. uh, because of that, we will be talking spoilers a little bit, um, I'm assuming. So it is a fairly basic plot. But if you are curious about that, you know, I would recommend stopping right now after we talk about um, our impressions of this movie. But we'll give you a warner, warning about five minutes down the line. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess we can jump into that right now. Brian and Andrew, what did you think of Mad God? Brian, you go first. All right. I thought it was really good. Um, I think some parts, was, this is the most original critique in the history of critiques, but it, some parts worked better than others. Um, and I would be very curious what was sort of made after the Kickstarter campaign and what was, what was made like incrementally over that 30 year period. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, no, it was just very beautiful and horrible, and visually I haven't seen anything really quite like it. It reminded me kind of of, um, it's not Hell, but in Hellraiser 2, Leviathan, like that whole mm -hmm. area, yes. it yeah. reminded me a lot of that, but even more covered in gore and shit, and, um... <laughs> And then also just yeah. the, the sound work was really, really like hypnotizing and ambient. It, it was like a synthwave album at some times, and, and that was really... Yeah, striking. I've heard this compared to, people are always saying, like, just like, this is the best Tool music video I've ever heard <laughs> of Tool. And I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I can see that, definitely. Uh -huh. Brian, I want to ask you this, too, because we're both massive Silent Hill fans. Did you get any, like, Silent Hill vibes from some of the visuals that occurred I mean, yeah, it's hard not to. Um, it's <laughs> after a certain point of, of things being covered in decay and and like faceless creatures, um, sort of wandering around. Um, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. Sounds good, Andrew. What did you think of Mad God? Uh, I. I think I'm I'm not not the most in love with it. I think I really appreciate what it was trying what it was doing, and I appreciate all the visual aspects. I, I was really in it for that first half an hour, mm -hmm. uh, and I think I think the point the point where is the, is where I'm kind of thinking it may have 
been, you know, the Kickstarter situation where that happened. I feel like that's kind of where I fell off. Just to let you know, uh, the part where the Kickstarter stopped is the scene after the bomb. Like, I'm, I think that's vague enough for you to be aware. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, what that yeah, is. that tracks. Wait, wait. The end of the first act. Mm-hmm. The, the place where the reveal of the bomb? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, at okay. the end of the first act with the bomb yeah. and basically the place where the suitcase is placed down. That okay. is that is the end of the first about where they stop at the Kickstarter. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's and after that's kind of where I kind of felt it got a little tedious for me after that. Um, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I like like Brad was saying. I think it's like it's the visuals are beautiful. Like it's I it's something that I, I would I would love to have seen in like small parts, but I just felt like as a long story, I didn't quite love it. But it's you know it, it's yeah. one of the things that I think I can reflect on and really appreciate aspects of it and appreciate what it was doing. But just for me, like I'm I'm very character and plot driven. I think and I can kind of tease out the plot of it, but like I just it kind of it, it went on for too long in my for me. But again, I really appreciate the art he was doing, and I could definitely tell like what he was going for, and I think that's. I said for me, being one of the few things of its kind that is like this, I think, you know, I mm-hmm. really appreciate it for that fact, but it's just, it's not something I'm probably going to watch again uh, anytime soon. But Yeah, yeah and <laughs> for me personally, it's, I, I kind of vibe with that last statement. I did like this movie. Uh, I would definitely, definitely recommend it. I'm always of the mindset, whether it's video games, horror movies, anything like that, where I, I, I would rather they try something new mm-hmm. and not 100% stick the landing rather than um you know just try the paint by numbers whatever it is at that whatever's popular at that current moment and you could definitely tell this is a passion project it just so much shit's going on on the screen and there's all over the place and there's a bunch of visuals that will definitely definitely stick with me um for a long time but it was hard to watch just because it is such an oppressive overwhelming sensory experience it does not feel good to watch this movie (laughs) it's not like a slasher movie where you're like you're kind of like cheering to see you know if hey this person will survive or you know if it's um, a friday the 13th movie hey jason's gonna kill all these people it's nothing like that it is like the entire time you're said with this very very uncomfortable feeling um similar to the ari aster movies like hereditary and midsummer um in terms of just like it's just a very uh, confrontational film. Mm-hmm. There's probably a better word for that. Uh, but yeah, it's not a pleasant movie. It's a very unpleasant movie, yeah. which is exactly 100% what they were going for. Mm-hmm. And I do agree with the fact, I think this probably would have worked better as a short film. And again, the first 30 minutes are definitely the best up until the end of the first act, what we mentioned for the bomb. I think we we're all in agreement there. That was the strongest part of this movie. Um, the second act and the third act, I didn't think were terrible. Definitely not. I just, it never reached those same highs as it did. And I felt it definitely could have compressed it a little bit more. And the ending kind of lost me, honestly. Mm. Uh, I, I, I think I understood what they were going for, but it was just, I don't know. It was, at that point, I was just kind of like, okay, this is this plot is a little bit too abstract. But even then, there were some good moments in there that I really did enjoy, especially some of the character designs. Um, yeah, and just some little bit of interesting parts in that front right there. Okay. Um, I, I just give you guys a question. So I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now, and this movie is 83 minutes long. Did you guys mm-hmm. feel like the movie, like, I felt like the movie was really long. Like, but I agree. This movie is lo- yeah, the, the pacing's off for sure. Yeah. And that's a yeah. risky yeah, no, take it, with, with sort of one as patchwork as it is, and then two um, as non plot driven as it is. Um, that can that can affect your relationship to pace um, when you're creating mm-hmm. something. So um, 
Yeah. And then I think another part of it is, too, is just like we said before, it's such an oppressive movie. It's like sticking your hand on a hot burner. You know, five seconds is going to seem like a long time if you're actively being burned. And that's kind of the same thing with this movie, too, in terms of the flow. The entire time you're just uncomfortable watching this movie and you feel dirty and like you want to take a shower <laughs> afterwards. So I think that really contributed to the length on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, exactly. It's what Phil was going for. He absolutely nailed the atmosphere. I think for... The movie he wanted to make, he did a very, very good job with it. And I'm very happy that he made this movie because this this is, if nothing else, very unique. Um, and I did really, really enjoy that part. But I, I'm kind of with Andrew in the fact that I don't think I want to see this movie again for a while. <laughs> yeah. Just because at the end of it, I was just like, wow, that was that was a hell of an experience. I think I liked it, but I definitely don't want to see it again anytime soon. <laughs> so I can take a shower now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I guess at this point, um, if there's nothing else, we can kind of dive into the plot of the movie, talk a little bit about scenes that really stuck out to us, um, and just like critiques here and there. So at this point, uh, you kind of have our overall opinion of it. Uh, you know, watch it if you do. I would definitely personally would recommend watching it, but just be aware of what you're getting into. Uh, but this will be the spoiler section. So if you are not interested in being spoiled at this point, go ahead and stop listening now. All right. So... Screwheads. Um, I guess I guess we could start off with the plots in terms of what it's trying to come across as. Like, what exactly did you get out of this plot? What What is the central conflict of this movie? Because I have my interpretation, but I think mine is going to slightly differ from yours just because we have different perspectives. Hmm. I, I took it as like, so like, you know, you have the beginning part where with the Leviticus thing talking about like God being like, you know, if you mess in the, I'm going to fuck you over essentially. So I took it as like, the Tower of Babel is the thing we saw in the beginning, and then yeah, like yeah. shit went to hell. God was like, "Fuck that!" And then uh, I'm assuming that that the the dubbed assassin. I, I don't know what, where, where we get the term that he, where he's called the assassin, but everything refers to him as the assassin. Like mm-hmm. goes down to hell to blow up hell, I guess. And then through that action, ends up being part of the creation of another universe. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Brandon, what was yeah. your interpretation? <laughs> This is a hard question, I know. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'll just... I don't know. It's not one that is is going to... That you're going to have any success making a general um, interpretation of the plot. I think it, it's, it's, it's the wrong attitude to take to be like, this is what it's about. Um, I, hmm. Like, taking it scene by scene I agree. Uh, um, is, a lot, is a lot more parsable. Um, and especially in the first half hour, um, where you just see the assassin walking through this world, um, and all these various kinds of, um, torture and drudgery. And, um, so I think there was a message, at least through this section and sort of throughout the rest of it, um, but especially um, in the first section of sort of lowly peons, grunt workers, um, the, the indifference that those, those drones are faced with. Um, like there'll be drones that are just like sort of getting murdered by their own machinery that they're, that they're operating. Um, there's that one part where, they're steamrolled by just standing in place. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And, and that actually, just to kind of talk about another movie that Brian and I grew up watching, it reminded me of the Austin Powers scene where the guy's <laughs> the steamroller, and he's just like, no! Yeah. It takes 30 seconds to get there. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> I'm sure that, that that's the, the inspiration. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I personally loved the one where there's that line of giant people who are getting electric shocked um, and then just shitting eternally. And then beneath yes. them is the guy eating all the shit. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I didn't pick up in that. It was like actually being shit on there. I thought their bodies were literally like decaying. Oh, into like goo basically. But I, I, I read online. Other people took that interpretation as well in terms of it was feces. Yeah. Well, Cause so, they weren't, know, they weren't like disintegrating or anything. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was, of course, coming out the the bottom of the chairs. Uh, so that was <laughs> I don't know. You could you could make a lot of crazy interpretations of that. Um, yeah, something about like this might be a stretch, but something about like the people being tortured to create crap that other people mindlessly consume like I don't mm. <laughs> I'm just spitballing here um, mm-hmm. there's uh, there's there's quite a lot uh, so but that's yeah I guess and then there's also sort of an anti-war thing with the the bombs being the bomb being sort of the thing that is focused on like it's the the end goal uh, for the assassin, um, and then mm-hmm. in that last bit where a new world is created, and then it's immediately blown up um, and turned into another post-apocalyptic hellscape. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't even I th- think. Sorry, just one more thing. No, it's fine. Go ahead. I, I don't even think they're like really themes necessarily, but just sort of moods. And mm-hmm. the mood generally is very like burnt out. Um, like, how did we get to this point? Um, decayed mm-hmm. yeah everything's just basically laid to ruin yeah yeah in terms of like a very literal interpretation of the plot the first act um we focus on the character dubbed the assassin slowly descending into this hellish landscape via a diving bell the only thing he has with him besides his protective equipment is a suitcase which contains a bomb and um, a map which is slowly like decaying and falling apart as he goes on through it. And basically the entire first third is him walking through this hellish landscape, seeing the aforementioned people getting electrocuted and shitting into another person's mouth, Uh, the decayed little faceless clay people being steamrolled and killed with nothing at all. Uh, But eventually he makes it down to the area he's supposed to be, and there is a whole bunch of suitcases there implying that he's not the first assassin and he definitely won't be the last. Uh, But he gets captured and the bomb he's currently holding does not work at all. It just stops ticking, basically. Then we cut on over to him at an operating table. A surgeon basically tears him apart while he's still alive, pulling out gold coins, jewelry, all sorts of riches, eventually settling on this larva-like baby which he passes on over to a nurse. The nurse then delivers it over to a creature. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to call this creature. The plague uh, doctor almost, kind of. Plague doctor? Yeah, that's what I was kind of going for. If you've played Bloodborne, it's like Margot's wet nurse. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the vibe <laughs> of the character design. Um, but yeah, this, this plague doctor guy takes the baby, takes him to an alchemist. The alchemist 
grinds the baby into this fine dust and then uses the dust to create a brand new universe. Um, along that time as well, we also do see a scene where the one of the only live action people in this movie, uh, who I'm just going to call fingernails because he has very, very long fingernails, uh, we see him generate the maps um, from these witches and he sends the assassins on down. And we also do get a, a little bit of a B-plot of another assassin going on down to the world and, you know, planting another bomb as well and playing once again. It kind of goes on through. Yeah, they just kind of forget My, about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. My literal interpretation of this movie is there's two opposing forces. We have the plague doctor who seeks to rebirth this world that is completely decayed. And then we have Fingernails, who seeks to destroy it. And the two of them are basically opposing forces going back and forth on that front. And eventually, Plague Doctor does win out. A new universe is created. Society goes on through. But eventually, it moves into decay again, um, which basically, it's, it's cylindrical. It cycles on through again. And then we're once again at the same moment where the assassins are being sent back down to destroy the world. So it's a very cylindrical story. Everything repeats over and over again. Um yeah, but that's that's a literal interpretation. But like we said before, this is not a movie that's particularly focused on the plot. I'm sure you could pull some sort of interpretation from a lot of this, some sort of allegory, if you so choose to, especially with the Leviticus Bible verse and the term Mad God and Tower of Babel and everything like that. There's definitely some interpretations that could be met there. But this, this is a movie that's completely focused on the visuals and just the experience of it all. It's not a movie you watch for the story. It's the movie you watch to generate a sense of emotion within you and i feel it's fairly effective at that uh yeah how did everyone feel about the live action parts did they did they work or to me they just sort of took me out and felt kind of corny um yeah i agree it felt to me like, 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 you know, like in like old, like Curse, uh, Curse the Cowardly Dog, they'd have those like oh, yeah. scenes or that's the cartoon and they'd have the live action person kind of there on the side or their mouth and always yeah. just like, originally that's a good felt really lazy. I don't know. Not like, I don't know. It felt, it felt weird. And it looked like a, it. like a full motion video game. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was, was the nurse stop motion or was the nurse live action? Cause it felt like it was jumping back and forth between the two. There would be a time when I'm just like, yeah, that's definitely live action. But then they would zoom in on her arms, and I'm just like, that's like a Barbie doll arm. I don't, what, what's going on here? I think they were both live action, weren't they? The nurse yeah, was, and the doctor? Yeah, the nurse was definitely live action, but there were parts where it was, um, she was sort of, I assume was probably edited in a way that made it look more uncanny. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I did, I did love, like, some of, like, the, I, don't know, I feel like some parts looked a lot more, like, you know, traditional stop motion, some of them look almost like claymation at times. Like, I thought, like, that weird, like, aqu- or terrarium they had with, like, the Yeah, the creatures. terrarium. What was going on there? That was that was so cool. I, don't, I, I think, uh, well, did, did they harvest something from that? Because I, I know they released that thing to eat the one baby. Did they, did they eat the pregnant one or did they eat the not pregnant one? I can't remember. One of them got eaten, and I, I feel like he harvested something from the other one or something. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. That was, was it? It, yeah, what was going on there? There was... That the I thought didn't the alchemist sort of feed them like you would in a fishbowl, and then another monster came out and then ate one of the yeah. Yeah, he, he fed them and then released uh-huh. the other thing to eat the other one. The other one pulled that one into the into the hole, and then I can't remember if he did something else to the other one. I, no. I oh, I but they we get the the one line of dialogue in the whole movie um, where one of the. the the one of the creature gets eaten and then the other creature who looks like a mom or something goes oh no 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe that's, you know, about, like, talking about, like, you know, within this weird cycle of terrible shit going on, they're like, oh, and these other groups, that you think, like, you know, the, the ones who are being tortured torture other people, you know? Yeah. Tor- create their own things to, to torture. I don't know if that's intentional or what, what, what that was. Maybe it was just him being like, look what I can do, bro. Look at my flex. <laughs> I made this, I made this little creature. <laughs> yeah. Look at what I made. Does this sound like a, would a person who's depressed make this? That <laughs> uh, is one of the things that's also very impressive about this movie. Or I get this with like certain David Lynch movies where the, what we're seeing on screen is so out there that I can't even imagine like storyboarding it. Like, like how, what was his, like, <laughs> how did he explain it to like, I guess a lot of it, if he was doing it on its own, he would have just, just gone with it. But like, even what was his like process of like, okay. And then I want, um, the, the, the assassin to be captured. And then for some reason he's going to have jewelry in his, in his chest cavity like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so out there yeah and i guess maybe that's i don't know one interpretation i've read of that front in terms of the coins and everything in there is the concept of death death you can't take wealth with you when mm-hmm. you die um that was one interpretation i read on that front mm-hmm. yeah there, there, there's a lot um, in terms of literal interpretation or like just, you know, thematically on that front. And honestly, I can't even, I, I, I do not have the knowledge, honestly, <laughs> to even go ahead and do, you know, say this is what this movie means. That sort of thing yeah. too. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's a confusing movie. It, I don't know. Yeah. It's do like, think it's a, yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. Okay. I just thought it's, I don't know. I always admire when creators manage to make things that are openly, that are open to interpretation without it feeling like they're just throwing random shit at the wall. Um, except for in this movie, it's literal shit. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's, I feel like everything is fused, infused with meaning, even though it is not clear what that meaning is or should be. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, you can kind of tell the difference sometimes if you're watching something where it's it's made to be ambiguous, but it's just also random and meaningless mm-hmm. and things that are like, okay, there's clearly some overarching philosophy to whatever, whatever the hell is going on. Um, but whatever you take from it is may or may not have been intended. Yeah, and I guess that kind of leads into the arguments, which is something I've heard a lot, too, in terms of songs. You know, songs mean whatever you want it to mean at that particular moment in time. And that is one thing I find interesting about this movie is, you know, someone with a very religious background, I'm sure, would watch this and come up with a wildly different interpretation than, uh, yeah. you know, the atheist in me. Um because there are, you know, obviously they read from Leviticus at the very beginning of the movie. There are biblical allegories in here um, that are fairly, you know, obvious. But at the same time, too, beyond that, it's just kind of all over the place. Yeah. So. Well, I, yeah. I was thinking too, like, uh, do you like how much of this do you think is intentional, or because like I know Hideaki Anno at one point with uh, Eva was kind of like, yeah, I put a lot of Christian Christian iconography in there just because like you know people will derive meaning from it, and you know what's you know what's what's more you know like noticeable and like kind of like deep than christianity and yeah. stuff so like he he threw some things in there just because they kind of looked cool and i'm wondering how much mm-hmm. that do you think is that like is this do you think this is a lot of intention or a lot of i'm gonna make this movie i'm gonna throw some shit in here 
and like we'll see what happens like do you guys think a lot of it was intentional or a lot of it was just kind of using the trappings of this religious semi iconography to just you know let, like what you said kind of let us interpret it yeah mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, Phil Tippett, obviously, his whole shtick for his careers, decades of career in the movie industry has all been stop motion. So I think everything was a vehicle for him to actually go ahead and do all that. Um, the Seven Voyages of Sinbad, or however you pronounce it, I can't remember, but that was that was the movie, the stop motion movie that really got him into this as I was doing my research on this movie. And you know, that kind of told me that, okay, this is, he's not so much plot focused, he is visual focused which this movie definitely kind of caters on into um and then that also gave me a thought too when you said that andrew it reminds me of two things one like the beatles when they came out with i am the walrus they basically wrote that because they were tired of fans analyzing or over analyzing it literally <laughs> yes. so just like let's let the bastards make sense of that one um and then also too there's this uh pro zd the uh that the one youtuber who does the short skits here and there there was one where he's just like um talking about anime fans it was like that anime fans big tits is actually a representation of a repressed sexuality because of blah 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 blah, blah. and then they zoom into the creator yeah i just wanted to see big anime titties <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, I do feel this leans a little bit more towards the visuals are there to, or that the story is there to serve the visuals and not mm-hmm. the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the visuals, I mean, there must be a reason why Phil Tippett made a body horror, dystopian, religiously infused, whatever this is, as his like lifetime passion project. Um, and mm. it could be the nightmares... Um, like, I don't know, there's, it's just very interesting that he chose Nightmares this are... route to express his, his, his stop motion, um, expertise to go with a horror yep. setting like this. And I think a lot of it is too, just the fact that there isn't much stop motion horror at all. I mean, we have that one devil segment in the adventures of Mark Twain. Oh yeah. That's the only <laughs> horrific, um, um, stop motion aspect in a movie I can think of personally. What about like, uh, Evil Dead? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the... yeah, yes, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> That is that is very true right there. And like Evil Dead, obviously, that was a passion project of Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. and a lot of these lower filmmaker or not lower. Why did I say lower? I love Sam Raimi. Um, a lot of these, when they're first starting off, people want to make horror movies, typically because they're lower budgets, um, and then just, you know, there's less of it there. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Tetsubo, The Iron Man. Oh, yeah. That's probably another horror movie one, mm-hmm. stop motion. But yeah, I can't think of too many. I feel like, um, oh, I, feel like I, I, sh- I should know more. Uh, yeah, they're definitely, I mean, there's probably movies and there's probably a fair amount of horror movies where it's used here and there but not like like this um where it's the entire movie complete yeah yeah and yeah the only other thing i can think of is like tim burton stuff like corpse bride or what was the other one uh nine was that tim burton Hmm? was nine stop motion or was it cg nine was stop motion right i can't remember i don't know know. Coraline, i guess Coraline, yeah stop motion one too oh yeah Uh yeah. Uh totally that's another one too. Uh, oh yeah, have you seen the um, Alice? I'm looking at I'm looking at the IMDb best horror, dark and horror stop mo- mo- motion films. Um, mm-hmm. There's a version of Alice in Wonderland. It's called Alice that came out in the '80s, um, mm. and it is wild. 
and oh wait, is, is that one that the turtle sings a song or something? The turtle might sing a song. <laughs> okay, I think I think I've seen that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a check. Um, yeah, uh, were there any like other highlights of Mad Guy that really stuck out to you? Um, like I said before, I really really liked the design of the Plague Doctor. Mm-hmm. It gave me the huge Margot wet nurse vibes. Um, because the, the creature is built up to be this huge, intimidating force of nature, basically, that all the other monsters kind of respect. The, the nurse, when she hands over the larval baby to him, is basically in fear that they're going to do something else. Yeah. Um, I really, really like the design of him. Um, or her. They, they keep it gender neutral. Yeah. Um, what other like, highlights of this movie that kind of stuck out to you? Images that really, really uh, yeah, stuck with you? I just also wanted to say I liked the, the Italian... Gregorian chanting that was also going on whenever that <laughs> I think it was a Latin actually. Latin okay yeah that um, would make more sense yeah because actually um oh no 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 it's Italian I'm sorry I'm wrong um yeah there's someone someone translated it it's I can't remember what it said it was I don't know I'll go ahead and try and find it real quick um but yeah no it is Italian you are correct uh Let's see. What about you, Andrew? Any other scenes that really stick out to you? I, I love the, the the whole like opening when he first comes out and like you see like that weird like hotel of people and like the creature crawling out of the trash can to eat like the dog or that thing is like. Oh yeah, I, lo- I, I love that yeah. scene. That was so like that that I bought so hard into the movie at that point. I was like, this is awesome. Uh-huh. I love how we see like just the, like you know the from the perspective of the assassin just like watching the shit go down. I, mm-hmm. I love that. That was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that actually I don't know the I like the the structure of like just having the assassin having this mission but most of the movie is him just going further and further down and just watching all this stuff there's there's something sort of um satisfying about that yeah yeah i did like the fact too that the titular i i think fingernails is the titular mad god personally (laughs) just based on the personality and the fact that they're sending literally hundreds of assassins down there to accomplish it um but I, I did like the fact that it was basically it almost seemed like fingernails didn't really care whether the assassiner succeeded or not. He was just like, all right, fine. If this one doesn't work, we'll just send down another one and we'll just keep going until eventually one hits. So hmm. um, I did like that aspect of it, just the, the, the complete disregard for the life of these assassins real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, and almost like the futility of the idea that like theoretically, like the assassins are being used so he's not, he's like, not, he's just sending them down, they're failing. He's sending them down and they're being used by the, the hellscape to do it their own purpose. So he's kind of just like feeding them fuel, essentially, which is interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I found the Italian, literal <laughs> Italian, but I don't see the translation for it real quick. Uh, just read us the Italian and we'll see if we can figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I talk about spicy meatballs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Oh, here we go. Okay, so the translation um, is... uh, It is from an opera, Fennelli's Satyricon. um, Oh, Fellini's Satyricon. Oh, Fellini, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Fellini's Satyricon. Um, The direct translation is, I leave you poetry, I leave you seasons, especially the spring and summer. I leave you the wind, the sun, I leave you the sea, the good sea, the earth is good too, the mountain streams and rivers, and the big clouds that move by solemn and light. You will look at them and maybe remember our brief friendship, and I leave you the trees and their agile inhabitants, love, tears, joy, stars. I leave you sounds, songs, messages. 
or noises, the voice of man, which is the most harmonious of music, I leave you. Hmm. And that ties in directly to the Plague Doctor's overarching goal of creating this new universe. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can see that as a creation. Just for, I have another question for you, too. Just for the record, uh, you, f- the yes. Satyricon's a movie, um, not an opera. No. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I've never heard of it before. Do you want to go ahead and like tell us a little bit uh, about what it is? No, I don't know anything about it really, except that Federico Fellini's a big. <laughs> I just I just know the name because Fellini's a a big um, one of Italy's most famous directors. Um, ah, but... gotcha. Maybe we have to do that one. I'll have to, I'll have to educate myself on that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was a there's... '60s Italian fantasy drama. Yeah, no, there's some like Italian cinema fan who's listening to this right now who is just like, oh, it's not an opera, how dare you? So I just wanted to, I just wanted to appease them. <laughs> we we are sorry, we are sorry for we we will educate ourselves a little bit more on Italian horror. We we are but we are but three we are three basic screwheads, yeah. primitive screwheads, if you will. Um, but yeah, uh, did anyone else get Hogarth vibes from the Alchemist at the very end from Labyrinth? Oh yeah. I- I can see that. I did. <laughs> no, but now I can see it. Yeah, I was just like, Hogarth. It's Hogarth. It's the lovable Hogarth. Yeah. So I wasn't intimidated by that guy at all. I was just like, oh, I remember him. He helped Jennifer Conley. I mean, he betrayed her, but he helped her. Yeah. Yeah. See, what, what he reminded uh, me of is like, you know, you know, I don't know if there's that episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog where he looks outside and there's that weird like waif ghost thing that would always kind of be blowing in the air and it was like some weird CG. Oh, King, King Ramses, yeah. Is that, that's so, what he always reminded me of, because I always had those flowing things coming off the back of him, and I'm like, oh, yeah. it's like... I yeah. loved the size differences of, like, there would mm-hmm. just be these tiny little Ooh, things, yeah. and then these just enormous, like, creatures. Uh, I remember at the beginning, there was just a giant um, skull as the oh, assassin yeah. was descending. I don't know, it's just, it's just something kind of really fun about that. Yeah. When, yeah. It, it it definitely kind of helps out with the eldritch horror um, mm-hmm. the whole thing in terms of there's there's no frame of reference you know yeah you could have these creatures they could be an inch tall a million miles tall whatever it is and that's the other thing too in terms of the scale of this movie like I I, I could totally see this all being miniature um, I mean obviously it's stop motion so it was all miniature but you know existing in like a boot or something like that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, like these little tiny microscopic creatures or very, very tiny sized creatures. But at the same time too, it could be something big. There, there's no frame of reference we get at all. Yeah. Well, we do um, see, which with, kinda... with the mad God human, don't at the end, we see all of the other assassins. They're all pretty small. Like he's, they're like, Oh yeah, the, all the true. assassins mm-hmm. are small compared to him. So yeah, like this is already on a smaller scale. Everything we see below that is on a much smaller scale compared to him. But at the same time, too, like, just because Fingernails is so otherworldly, like, yeah, he's played by, portrayed by a human, but at the same time, too, we don't really That's true. know exactly what he is. But yeah, yeah I, I could see that. Yeah, because the, mm-hmm. the doctor and the nurse are the same size as the assassin, because they're cutting him up, um, but they're also yeah. played mm-hmm. by yeah. humans, so. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the perspective, that, screw, that skews up the perspective so much, it's really adds to the uncanniness of it. Yeah. And I did like that because I mean, again, this this movie creates this atmosphere of just throwing you off. It's the whole elder chore of it all, where you can't understand what you're seeing, and your mind is driven mad because of it. Mm. That's kind of what they were uh, kind of going for right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This is a hard movie to talk about just because there's so many other visuals. Yeah. Are there any other visuals that, like really stuck with you? Um, 
the 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 autopsy scene or the surgery scene. Oh yeah, that one did really stick with me just because it went on for so long. Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> it did. That was the squelchiest part. Yeah. Yeah, and he was still alive during the entire time too yeah. until they finally drilled it in his head. Uh-huh. So. Oh, I liked the um, yeah. those when they're in a, a particularly dystopian part of it where um, you see all those felt looking yeah. workers um, and there's a bunch of uh, TV screens where there's like a grimy mouth speaking but it's like a baby talking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that, I don't know <laughs> that was a good use of horribly gross imagery and baby noises <laughs> Yeah, just sort of I don't know there was I didn't feel the as much of the the sense of like how uncomfortable it was to watch that uh, that that you two had talked about. Um, I mean, except for scenes, of course, like the surgery scene um, and a lot of other squeaky mm-hmm. moments. But um, because one of the music was so sort of really, I don't know, there was really good music, but then also just how crazy it was. Um, it was like especially with that that the, that baby talking through the TV um, it gets it gets really really absurd yeah well I, I like I like that scene too there because you get, that's kind of I feel like where you get the most kind of humanity like with the felt people yeah see, yeah like what, there's that one that like he like that like kind of like sees him and is like oh hey what, what's going on and he gets like smushed and like you can see like the assassin kind of being like oh like should I help this guy? Kind of. You see that like that because it's the first time like the, you know the the scenery he's watching interacts with him. I thought that was like, a very interesting, especially because you know we learned that he is also just a mass produced pawn essentially. So there's a kind of mono connection between him and the other mass produced pawn for a moment before it gets stepped on <laughs> by society essentially, mm-hmm. or by the giant bald creature who shits everywhere, yeah. Uh, yeah. which was insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It was kind of giving the vibes right there where the assassin was kind of like giving the vibes of should I take this person with me. You know, what's going on here? Do I need the help? Um, but again, I mean, like, I, I feel like a whole theme of this movie is the assassin was doomed to fail no matter what. Yeah. So. No, I was just thinking, like, that just showed a sign of humanity. Um, mm-hmm. Showed that, like, there is something. There is something. These aren't just, like, creatures that are made to be killed, even though getting killed is all they do. Mm-hmm. They, they're capable of more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, yeah. I really can't think of much else to uh, talk about this movie. Do you think he was uh, mad or happy from... when Bloodborne came out? <laughs> <laughs> was he like, ah, shit. Game, so. <laughs> he came up uh-huh. all, all my ideas, or was he like, oh, great. There'll be, a, there'll be an appetite for what I'm doing here. Uh, what a great game, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that. But anyway, yeah, that's that's Mad God. I would definitely recommend watching it. Just it it, it is a very unique movie, and it is I, I can't think of much else like it, which I did appreciate. But at the same time, too, I, I do feel this movie probably would have worked better if it was probably like a half hour cut from it. Um, mm. Just the watch the first third, like at the very very least, watch the first thirty minutes, and you'll get a sense of whether. You know, that, that's the best part of the movie. And I think it works pretty well as a standalone short film as well. But, I mean, the, the, the other two acts aren't bad. They're just, they're kind of pale in comparison to the other two. Yeah. And, and I, actually, like, yeah. Brian, I feel like what you said about, like, how it being, like, Hellraiser-esque, I thought, like, I, don't, I kept, I was thinking about that. Because, like, 
the the scene where they're all like shooting into that guy's mouth there's like a very <laughs> similar scene in um oh in yeah in one of the way uh, later ones like the ninth yeah, it, one or something <laughs> Yeah, because there's there's that guy who like who writes up people's sins, the art the arbiter, and he like writes up the sins and eats them and vomits into a thing, and then like somebody else eats that, and like it reminded me a lot of that. And I, would, I was yeah. when you said that, I'm like, oh, that'd be like a great like this would be a great way to like visualize like like a hellscape in like Hellraiser, a great way to visualize like you know or like in even in like kind of Nightmare on Elm Street. I like I love to see them kind of bring this back and kind of integrate it into smaller segments of something else because mm-hmm. I think you can make these great disturbing moments like that uh, with this technology. Yeah, um, I think that would really play well and do. I, I question for you guys: Did you take the end as hopeful or bleak with with the creation of the universe? I took it as neither. Honestly, I took it as just like that is the final step. Like you know, everything that has happened will happen again. It's cylindrical. The events of this movie will happen again, and it does because the final shot of the movie is the next assassin going on down with the bomb as well. So I, I took it as very matter-of-factly, like, this is the world, this is what happens, this is the conflict, and it's not good or bad, it just, it is. Um, so that, that's what I took it as. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, it's pretty bleak in that sense, but um, it's no more or less bleak than what you've already been in for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then also, too, I don't think, like, when the universe was created, because we see, like, cities being built up and everything like that, I don't think it is the fact that the universe starts ruined. I think it is just like that is the, it's entropy. That's the Mm -hmm. eventual state of everything at the end. At the end of it, it is all chaos. It is all, everything eventually devolves into that. Um, that, That's the interpretation I got. Yeah, like, I feel like that, that nihilistic, like, because I feel like it's, it's almost that idea, like, I was thinking about it, like, in terms of, like, if you think of, you know, the guy constantly sending the assassin, you know, to fix the problem he sees down on Earth. I almost kind of see that as like a, maybe a commentary on like not necessarily politics, but on the world. You know, we keep trying to change things at the end. Like, oh, if we did this one thing differently, maybe it'd be better. But then you see it again goes to shit immediately after once this new kind of world is created. So I almost kind of see that as like a you know kind of like the futility of trying something new. Almost or like you know like we keep talking about like especially nowadays like how we can kind of fix the shit show that is becoming our world. <laughs> and like the this is kind of like that idea of like ah maybe it'll just become shit again. Like you know. Yeah, maybe this side, maybe this new leader you put in power will be better, but things are still shit, or you know, like something yeah. like that. Um, it's like what Watchmen says: nothing ever really ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then the like, part of me is like, oh, the hopeful side. Maybe it's like, uh, in, in like in the musical uh, Hades Town, where like the, the musical ends with you know with, with uh, uh, Persephone being uh, uh, Persephone, uh, who's, who's Orpheus's girlfriend, Eurydice being pulled back into hell, and then yeah. they, and like the, and then all the people of the chorus are like, you know, it's a sad song, but we're gonna try singing again to see if we can make it like in hopes that it'll turn out differently by telling the story again and again. And, like, I wonder if maybe mm-hmm. it's, it's supposed to be that kind of hopeful idea of, like, you know, maybe, yeah, the next time it turned out shitty, maybe the time after that will be okay. Like, I don't know if it's a futility or a hope. I feel like kind of can play either way. Yep, yeah, I can see that. Because, like, again, this this movie is kind of an open interpretation. It doesn't really sway one way or another. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is Mad God. Um, what else is going on in horror movie news? Andrew, what's your Predator Prey watch? Predator Alien watch? Prey? So, prey has her. All I got Prey's coming out. There's that new Alien VR game announced, which looks pretty sick. <laughs> uh, that's, I think that's... Oh, the new uh, Chucky Season 2 got announced, and I guess they're bringing back Gwen and Glenda uh, which is in, from, from that, which looks pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited for that. I don't know if you guys watched the first season, but I thought it was really good. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil on Netflix came out. Oh, yeah. Have you guys watched it yet? Mm-mm. No, but I'm reading the reviews. Oh boy! <laughs> I've I've finished it, and it it was kind of like this, in except for different degrees. So like, 
with this as watching it, I'm like, okay, I'm not like, I, you know, after the first half an hour, I'm like, all right, I want to love this more than I am. And with that one, I was like, I'm going to keep positive every episode. I'm going to keep positive. It's going to get good. It's going to get good. And then it was over. And I was like, oh. And I, I, I think my head still isn't quite allowing me to hate on it as much as, like, I should. Because I'm, I'm like, I was so happy that they're like, oh, look, they're doing their own story. They're doing their own thing. They're doing, you know, like, they're not just trying to recycle video games in some weird way. They're trying to tell a new story. And then you're like, oh, that character's name is Wesker. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe they're not doing their own thing. And, like, it's, ugh, ugh. <laughs> It's such a shame. Such a lost opportunity. Uh yeah, uh, was it better or worse than Welcome to Raccoon City? Oh, I would, I would much rather watch Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, oh wow! Like, <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> it, like, it's, I feel like it's just it's not as long, and it's the characters aren't as like I. I will say at the end of the first episode, I was kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going with this. And then like, actually, yeah, the first two, I was kind of like, I was on board for the first two episodes, and then you realize it doesn't, it never gets better, and you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, this isn't just like a slow start. This is this is it. Um, That's too yeah. bad. And they set up a second season. Uh, there, there's, they, they think they're getting another season. <laughs> All right. Well, Netflix, good luck, I guess. That, 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 every every show's on the chopping block except for Stranger Things, according to Netflix. Yeah. So. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. That's that. Um, Halloween Ends, the new trailer came on out. I am... Uh, I, I, I loved the 2018 reboots and then but just halloween kills came out and I, we have a whole episode dedicated to that one but gosh i was i was so disappointed in that one but you, you love um, 2018 i well actually no let me rephrase <laughs> i didn't love it but i did really really like it so i was just like okay this is you know this is better than some of the other sequels of halloween i, I i'm curious to see where this goes i i very much enjoyed it um it definitely had the problems but that was that but then halloween's kills came out and i was just like yeah no nah, i'm good you still haven't seen it, Brian? I haven't seen Halloween Kills, um, and I, yeah, I watched the 2018 Halloween, and I was like, oh, okay, I don't really need to keep up with this one. What? <laughs> it was, it <laughs> was fine, but... Didn't make you want to watch Jason, not Jason, you don't want to watch Michael fight a bunch of uh, firefighters? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what, I... I... Well, how will you know when evil dies? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's my thing, you know? I appreciate... Yeah, just like, it could be tomorrow, it could be today when an evil dies anyway continue no, i just i just appreciate that john carpenter is still getting money <laughs> and i love yeah. how transparent he is about it or is oh, like, yeah. if they're yeah. no no i did like how jordan peele um someone said that he's the best horror director out there and he responded oh, yes. immediately with no i will not tolerate john carpenter slander yeah <laughs> yeah no i would i would never tweet again if i got caught doing that uh yeah i'm trying to think what else uh fear street is coming out with a new series that got announced as well yeah no uh, there's there's uh they just got announced about a week ago they're they're developing the new movies there so oh damn is it gonna is it a continuation or is it like an an alternate universe no idea they just said that um more films are in development so that was that and speaking of jordan peele uh nope oh yeah nope nope just came out yeah yeah i'm gonna Looking forward to that. We don't get movies here until like a month after they come out everywhere else. So, what? but I'm definitely gonna watch that when it when it's here. Don't you guys live like where movies are made? Mm-hmm. Isn't California the place of movies? Yeah, but you know, not rural Northern California where we got one movie theater. Uh, yeah, with one screen. Uh, are drive-ins a big thing in California? I feel like I would, that would be. We, all, I feel like drive-ins should be everywhere. We did have a drive-in at the um, at the pier um, during COVID. They they opened up a drive-in, but that's that's only a every so often thing lame yeah and then they have one um, there's a city called fort bragg 
that has a excursion train where it basically just goes in a circle and they have um they'll bring the train out into the into the woods and then they'll set up chairs on the train and then have a big screen it's called it's called movies in the redwoods and they'll mm. show movies literally in the redwoods that's um, awesome projected cool. like that yeah i haven't gone to it um because they usually don't have movies that are that interesting and it's also like two hours away but it's a cool idea yeah so i feel like you'd have to watch a watch like yeti movies or final movies that take place in the woods worth murder yeah, be, yeah. Like, the perfect place to be it's like watching jaws in a pool yeah yeah the dream you know, you got you got to you got to be there where the where the crazy shit's happening. You know, <laughs> then you look around and you're like, oh, what's, what's out here? Yeah. Uh, last bit of horror movie news that I kind of want to discuss with you all. Have you seen that monsters trailer? I didn't even hear about a monsters trailer. Yep. Yeah, Rob Zombie <laughs> is directing a monsters movie. Oh boy! And the trailer came out, and the internet collectively beat the shit out of it. Oh, like man. it looks really bad. Is it like ho- is it more horror or is it like classic TV? Oh, no, it was, like, full-on classic TV. Yeah. It, it looks like a made-for-TV movie. Um, I, I, they, they tried to lean into it, but... Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, the trailer's worth... The trailer's worth recommending watching. Just, <laughs> it looks really, really bad. Um, like, a week after the trailer came out, then they announced that it was not going to movie theaters and it was releasing direct to Netflix. That's coming out in the fall. I'm literally looking at, like, a picture of it right now, and it looks like somebody's wearing, like, Party City costumes. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing everyone's been saying, so... Um, and then also too, like the voices are all off, and it's just yeah, it's it's very disappointing. It's that's is is his wife in it? Is she is she somebody? Oh, oh of course, course. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a Rob Zombie movie, of course. It's like developing a Tim Burton movie without Helena Helena Bonham Carter. So maybe kids will like it though. You know, maybe like maybe kids will will be a fan. Uh, More kids should watch Rob Zombie movies. Absolutely, yeah, I'm always saying this. <laughs> does does he have kids? Is that why he made this? Is, is he like I'm gonna make a movie for my kids? Or is he just no? He's just he's a huge fan of the monsters, and he's been wanting to do this as a passion project for a long. That time. tracks so much that that he would be a monsters fan. But I heard, I think there was a tweet that was like, Rob Zombie makes music that gives you the same sense as huffing the fog at a uh from the fog machine at a spirit halloween <laughs> i love that that has the same vibes of that other tweet that's just like ska music feels like you're 13 and mozzarella sticks have just come out <laughs> like, yes. i hope that they just start swearing profusely at one point i hope that they're just like that's the end the end credit scene it seems to be that all right cool well Coming up in the pipeline, uh, we have a couple different movies that we're kind of taking a look at. Uh, Andrew, I don't think we decided on anything, but we do have a couple ideas here and there. Was it the new, or not the new, the old Frankenstein movie? Uh, yes, so Blood for Blood of Dracula, Flesh for, Flesh for Frankenstein. We had a request for that. That's definitely in the pipeline. Um, we also talked about doing the Friday the 13th remake. Uh... Yeah, a couple other ones I have on the list too, but uh, of course we'll kind of take a look and see what else. There. I don't know. Maybe we'll do Nope. I'm going to see Nope uh, probably this week sometime. So I would. I definitely love to do an episode on that one because we haven't done uh, Get Out or Us. I still haven't seen Us. Really? What? Oh, you got to see Us. Yeah. I haven't heard good things, but no, yeah, I, I really like weird. Get Out. I, I. It just. It's one of those things that just. I never got around to it. Hmm. Nothing against it. Dan's lazy. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I, I definitely am lazy. I very very much am. So. 
All right, cool. All right, well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is, once again, my pronouns, Guru Heads Talk Horror Movies. Uh, we've got two shout-outs. One, of course, is our band. That is Teddy's Atlas with the story, uh, with the song Horror Movie Story. You can get them off the album Children of the Corn. Uh, Brian is my brother. He was the guest uh, host on this one. He does have a book as well. Uh, yes. uh, it's about growing up sad in the Midwest. Would that be a good indicator? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's called It Helps with the Blues. You can get them off Amazon as well. Uh, we have physical copies or, you know, on Amazon or any other bookstore you have. I don't know. Where's it available, Brian? Amazon, I know. Yeah, it's definitely on Amazon. You can, there are occasionally special editions that you can get through Itch.io, um, and my publisher sends those out directly. Um, Andrew, I think I ended up sent, I sent you in a special edition, I think. Oh, is it so, special? One second. One second. Yeah, it's, well, it's just, um, it was printed at a, at a fancy little, press um in munich and it's special in ways that like most people won't care about it's just like the the ink is really good quality and um like if you hold it up to the light it kind of shines it's it's and then like the paper is better than amazon stock but amazon like i mean i yeah not going to sing praises to amazon but they actually do a pretty good job with their um with their publishing um material so if you get an Amazon copy, it's still really good. How would somebody know if they had the special edition? How would I? How would I? What, what, would it say something on it? Just you know, for future co- collectors. You have a signed edition. Mine is signed. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike somebody else here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there. No, no. What, what, what was the inscription? Either one of you could answer this one. What is the inscription of Screwhead Andrews? Uh, it says, uh, "Be sure to rub it in Dan's. Uh, rub it into Dan that you got a signed copy before he did." Yeah. <laughs> that is true. I still don't have a signed copy. Yeah. Wow. So. Wow. <laughs> I have two copies, but I don't, neither one of them is signed. Wow. But yeah, check that out. Once again, that is uh, It Helps with the Blues by Brian Sabolsky. You can go ahead and get them um, digitally or in regular formats, whatever. I didn't realize that it was published in Munich because I remember when I got my copy, it was like I had a German customs form. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, why. What the, hell did, what the hell did I order from yeah. Germany? Yeah. Ah, Wait, what? There yeah. we go. That's insane. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, my copy did at least, so. I don't know. Maybe I had a super special edition. I know oh yeah. Oh, it does say that. It's from Munich. Yeah, a, uh-huh. a, t- a T-ROM book, Munich. Yeah, and then you can also order it through bookstores. All right, awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening. We do have a couple more episodes on the pipeline. Uh, we are active on social media as well: Facebook, Instagram. We don't tweets. I'm not really a Twitter person. I think I've talked about this before. I'm actually brand banned from Twitter, and I don't know why. What you do? Uh, so. I, I don't know. I've been banned for like a decade now, and I have no idea what I did. And every single time I try and repeal it, um, it just gives me like a, here, click this button to repeal it, and then I go ahead and click it, and then nothing happens. So I, I guess I don't do Twitter anymore. I don't know what happened. I, I never tweeted. Like, I, I probably made like two tweets in my entire life. So I bet Dan was actually an election denier, and he just constantly was yeah. posting stuff about that. That's what it really was. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, how bad were those two tweets? Obama. I, I don't know. I don't know. It was my favorite Halloween movie is Halloween Six. No, there we fired go. immediately. That, that, that would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Done. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, and stay groovy. Bye. Bye.